Amen. May be seated. We're going to look at uh, the light of the world tonight, and I'm going to be a little bit, yes. talk about the light of the world tonight and of course you know the light of the light of the world is not the s-u-n but it's the s-o-n and we know that light is absolutely essential for life and uh, as I think about the light of the world I want to share a few verses with you tonight and but I, I'm going to be a little bit like Elizabeth Taylor with her seventh husband I won't keep you long so, so uh, if, you'll, if you'll look in the book of Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start there by reading about in the beginning. And Jesus says, or the Lord says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Father, I just pray tonight that you would take this simple message and just allow us to understand how truly blessed we are that the light of life came into the world to give us not only eternal life, but abundant life. And Father, I pray that as we look at Scripture, we'll understand how wonderful that precious gift that you provided is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, as we looked at those three verses there, there's a contrast. There is this diametrically opposed concept. There is darkness and there is light. And they are pointed out, and when God was hovering over the faces of the deep, there was, it was void. It was formless. And uh, God doesn't create anything to be formless and void. And most scholars believe between those verses, verse 2 and verse 3, is when Satan fell from heaven. I don't know. Can't state emphatically either way. You can make an argument on both sides. But God makes nothing formless and void. But he, his spirit was brooding over the waters. And let's just think for just a quick moment before we actually get into our study tonight. When you think about the difference when, uh, light, about light in the Scripture and darkness in Scripture, first off, you think about Christ. I mean, Christ is light, he, and we, we know that He is the light of the world. John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. And then we know that also light is seen in Scripture as the Word of God. In Psalm 119, 105, we know that, that God said that, that the Scripture is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we know that light is invaluable for us. And we know that as God's people, we are to be light, right? I mean, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 that we are to be the light of the world. We are to, to reflect His light. So we are to be light bearers. We don't produce the light. We just reflect the light. And then light is also seen as God's blessing to us in Proverbs 4. 
but darkness, the contrast that we have between the two, is absolutely stunning. In John's gospel, he deals with this a great deal, but it begins at the very first three verses in Scripture. We know that darkness is associated with Satan, Luke 23. We know that also darkness is associated with sin, and we know that darkness is associated with death, and we know that darkness is associated with divine judgment. So you have, you have this, this, this contrast. And, and, and in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You may read down just a little bit further, and you said, wait a minute, the sun, moon, and the stars aren't even made yet. Well, listen, who is the light? He said, I am the light of the world. He didn't need the moon or the sun or the stars or anything else to light up the world because he is the light of the world. We'll find out a little bit later that one day the sun, moon, and stars are going to be gone, and he will only be the light, and we will see that light. Have you ever noticed about Christmas, though, when you come into the Christmas season, the closer you get to Christmas, the brighter the lights get? And you wonder why. Well, I think I know why. It's a good tool to draw people in because light draws people. And people want you to come into their stores so you'll purchase their goods. Now, the brightest light of all, though, happened 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't in the sky of Bethlehem, but it was in the manger of Bethlehem. Light travels 186 miles per second is right. But you know what? The light of the world, when, Jesus, when it talks about Jesus returning, he's going to come as a thief in the night, and it will be in the twinkling of an eye, that's a lot faster than sunlight. It's instantaneous. He is the true light of the world, and if... He had not have spoken this world into existence and all of his creation, we would not know what it is to experience light, life, hope, or anything else. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, in verse 2, this incredible passage is given. 9-2 first, please. There you go. Thank you. And, and it says these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It's talking about the people in just north in the ten tribes of Israel, the northern tribes. And they had already gone into bondage at this time. And they would come back and they would intermarry and they would be Samaritans. And they'd always be kind of outcasts. But guess where Jesus' main ministry were? Right there. And a great light is coming. And then in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, he completes that by saying this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And that's the greatest gift. And upon and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is truly the light giver to the world. Isaiah gave that very well-known passage, and then we, every Christmas, we typically read these scriptures because we recognize not only was it to the land of Naphtali and Zebulun, but that great light that would come would also come to us because we too walked in darkness. And we needed to experience the light of life. And I, don't know, I think probably everyone here can remember that moment that light broke through and salvation came.
something you never forget. And, and, and you, you go back and you remember that and you're thankful for that. You don't stay there. You move forward. But that's the beginning of recognizing that your eyes are open, the scales are removed, and you see with clarity the truth of the Son of God and the gift that he has provided. In, first, in John chapter 1, John says in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, In him was life. Now, listen. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Without light, there is no life. But he is the great light who came. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The, and and what, he's, <laughs> what he's talking, I mean, the religious leaders were living in darkness, and they were acting as though they were in the light, and he shone in their very midst, and yet they missed him. We talked a little bit about that Sunday, how the religious leaders missed Christmas. The light was there, but they refused to see. Remember the story in John chapter 8 of the woman caught in adultery, verses 1 through 11. And uh, all they want to do, they have these stones, they're ready to stone her, and they have Jesus between a, a conundrum, and, and they know that he, if he says you can't stone her, then, then he's broken the law. And if he says you do stone her, then you're not the Messiah. I mean, he was caught. But then in verse 12, of John 8. Jesus spoke to them again saying, now this was just after all of the Pharisees leave and Jesus and the woman are left there and then Jesus says for everyone else to hear, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness but have the light of life. Don't you know that that dear lady that day was so thankful that he's the light of the world and gives life because he'd just given her life. Mm. You know, much forgiven, what's the saying? Much loved. Much forgiven, much loved. You know, I don't know, doesn't really matter, but you know, you, you always kind of wonder what happened to that lady. I'd say one thing she never forgot was the love in that man's eyes. You know, in the end, Jesus will be the only light shining. We won't need, I mean, 130 years ago, if we were going to have church at night, how would we have it? Candlelight and lamps, right? We, we are so spoiled. Probably one of the greatest inventions ever is the light. And it's something that we simply take for granted until our power goes out. And then we are truly upset. But in the end, there will be no need of sun, moon, or stars because the glory of God will illuminate all of creation at that point. In Revelation chapter 21, let's look at that. Verses 22 through 27. But I saw no temple in it talking about the new heaven for the Lord. God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. For, here it is, the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. That's Jesus. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. 
When do evil deeds typically take place? At night. When did the riots take place? Mainly at night. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there shall be by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, we better have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> and, and, and that light, God is just going to illuminate all of heaven, and everything will be new. And uh, look, let's look at chapter 22, verse 16 real quick. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Mm. I've always wondered what that first moment in heaven will be like. It will be so glorious. I, 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 I don't know what we will do if we'll fall to our knees. I have no idea. But it will be the most magnificent experience that we've ever had. And then, unfortunately, this world is filled with sin and darkness. And John's gospel tells us in chapter 12, verse 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now, <clears throat> he's talking about spiritual darkness, obviously. But too many people choose to be willfully in the dark. They have had the opportunity to understand what light is, but they have rejected the light of life. So what does light do? Well, it attracts attention, doesn't it? I mean, if we were to shut off all of the lights in this room and I were to light a candle, where would your eyes be drawn to? The light. To the light. Because he is the light. And we are immediately drawn to that light. I mean, it doesn't matter. If, if you're outside and you see a flash of lightning go across the sky, your eyes are immediately drawn to it. We're drawn to light. Just like the moth. And, 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 and as we come into the light, we begin to see with more clarity. Have, have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and you put your clothes on and you didn't have a light, you didn't want to wake anybody? And you, maybe you went out and you didn't realize how disheveled you were. I mean, your hair wasn't done, face wasn't washed, teeth weren't brushed, clothes were wrinkled. And in the dark, you couldn't tell. But in the light, you could see clearly. I'm a mess. And unfortunately, too many people are a mess spiritually and don't recognize it. They think they're okay. But once that light is turned on at the great white throne judgment, they're going to recognize the fact, I am not okay. Unfortunately, it's too late. Again, back to the Isaiah passage in chapter 9, verse 2. And then we was talking about the Messiah and the things in Scripture a minute ago. It said, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. The prophetic word of the Messiah was going to come and he was going to light up the world. And, and uh, Jesus, when he came and he lived and he died, nobody at that time recognized the impact that that light would have 
20 centuries later. There's supposedly over 2 billion Christians in the world. I don't know. Those are statistics. They can be right or they can be wrong. But when Jesus came, you know, his birth didn't really draw a lot of attention, did it? I mean, you, you didn't have Herod rushing down, and you didn't have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priest and the scribes rushing down to, to see this child. You had no fanfare other than shepherds. Later on, the wise men who would come. But anyone at that time would have said, he will live and die. And his name's, name will be removed from the annals of history. Just like we always see at the graves, at the tombstones, old stones especially. It says what? Gone, but not forgotten. Gone and forgotten. Gone, but not by God. There hasn't been anybody to visit that stone in years. We live, and then we die. And without light, we die again. But because of that light. Think about it. Jesus was born to poor parents. <laughs> I mean, nobody really notices a child that's being born into poverty. So Jesus wasn't recognized as anything special. I mean, he wasn't, didn't have the lifestyle of the rich and famous. He uh, certainly wasn't born of nobility here on earth. Born in a manger. He also, think about it, he was born away from his home. 90 miles away from his home. There were no family members there to brag about him. I mean, what do we do when we have a birth these days? We take a picture and we send it out to the world because we want people to brag on our children, our grandchildren. He was born in a stable with animals as his roommates in a small insignificant town called Bethlehem he actually wasn't even born in town he was born out on the outskirts of town because there was what? no room in the inn which means there's no room in town and <clears throat> you know what the oddest thing to me at night the light of the world was born at night. Everyone was asleep except the shepherds. And they may have been and wakened. First John. John says, toward the end of his life, he's probably about 95 years old when he puts pen to parchment and begins to write. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and seen with our eyes, looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message 
which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So, in conclusion, what are the physical and spiritual attributes? Let's think about it. First, light dispels darkness, right? Light dispels darkness. Second, light can't be seen, but it reveals everything else. Thirdly, it cannot be grasped or held. Fourth, it fills all open spaces that are open to it, but it doesn't invade any space that is closed to it. In other words, Jesus won't force himself on you. You have to be open to receive Christ. Light is never consumed or exhausted by anything in its presence. Its beautiful color reveals the color that we see. And all of these, you can, you can draw the parallels between the, the physical and the spiritual. It brings warmth. When Christ comes into our life, he brings that warmth as well. Light is energy that's producing power. Without light, nothing can grow. Nothing would live. You go into those real dense forests, and what's on the ground? Moss and lichen. That's it. That's it. Because the light can't penetrate and give its nutrients that bring life. Light is speed from here to there at an instant. Light is essential for growth and healing. Anybody ever been out in, in Oregon or Washington much? When the sun doesn't shine for day after day after day after day, I know when I went to Corvallis, Oregon, to, to be with my brother when he was in graduate school, and it was always drizzly and so overcast. And I said, Jan, I think I would be depressed if I were out here. You know, the people are pale because the sun doesn't shine much. It's an entirely different environment. Here's the key. Here's the last one. Light fades as you move further from it. So, as we move further from Christ, we begin to be in the shadows. So this Christmas, come back to the light and enjoy the life that he wants to give you. Let's stand today. I want to say Merry Christmas to each of you, and I hope that you have a blessed Christmas with your family, friends, or someone. I love you. Thank God for you. And let's just share that light and that life. Jason dismisses.